You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Yeah, I hope you all will come back tonight. So this is going to be fun. It's time to hang out, get to know the Kelly family. Like I said, I'm collecting questions. So parents, students, if you have more serious questions or silly questions, uh, feel free to pass them along and I'll get the answers for you. I'm at, I'm at, I've asked some students to come at 445 to help uh, just set up. We're going to actually, right after service, if you can, we're going to clear the chairs and we're going to set up round tables around the perimeter. Plenty of room for people to mosey in the middle and then uh, round tables for people who need to sit tonight. And uh, so I'm asking students to come at 445 to help with final prep stuff. Um, so we may, we may just roll Jeff a kickball and see what happens. He might, he, might, he might put it through that window up there, but we'll see. You have to wait and find out. Well, my name is Ricky, and uh, I have the privilege of serving on staff here at Grace. And I'm very grateful to also get to continue our study through the series, um, through our series through the book of John. Um, so very glad to be with you here this morning. Our text this morning is going to be John chapter 6. We're going to cover verses 1 through 21, but I'm going to begin our time just by reading chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. So I'm going to invite you all to, as, as we do on Sunday mornings, to stand and hear the word of the Lord uh, as I read it out loud. John chapter 6, <clears throat> verses 1 through 6. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. But Jesus went up on the mountain. And there he sat down with the disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he knew what he would do. Let us pray. Father, we ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit, your words will, Lord, they'll be heard this morning. Father, I ask that they'll be understood, that they will be received for your glory, Lord, and for our good. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. I truly believe that every one of us here this morning, we know that there is an area in which we have needs. Somewhere in our life, there is something happening where we need the Lord to come through for us. Maybe some of you this morning, you're, you're raising kids as my wife and I are, and it is crazy difficult. And you're just wondering if you have what it takes to turn out a decent human being. Maybe uh, some of you have just graduated and you're thinking about college or maybe it's grad school for you next. And you don't know if you're going to have what it takes to deliver the results that are going to be expected. Maybe for some of you this morning, you, you feel that you're going to have to retire sooner than planned, and you don't know if the money you have saved, if it's going to actually be enough to get you through what you hope to be the rest of your years here on this earth. Maybe some of you, it's just the, the mortgage payment that's going to be coming up at the end of the month, the, the RIP payment that's going to be due, and you know if there's any way that you're going to receive money in time to take care of that need, it's just going to have to be a miracle from the Lord. Perhaps maybe some of you, you have felt the Lord has called you to serve him in some way. Maybe he has called you to serve him in ministry, and yet you feel that you lack the faith, much less the tools that you feel are necessary to do what he's called you to do. You know you have needs. 
And our text this morning is written for a people who know they have needs. They knew that they had no way to meet their needs. John is giving us, in John chapter 6 this morning, an eyewitness account of Jesus miraculously meeting the material needs of people to show them he can also meet their eternal need. You see, this feeding of the 5,000 miracle, it's, it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. And this should make us think, huh, we should, we should lean in this morning because it is clear that there must be something happening here. There's something being communicated by Jesus that all the gospel writers were convinced, you must know this. It's important. The main point of the sermon today is going to be this, is that Jesus is able to meet your material and eternal needs because he is Lord over all. If you remember nothing else, I want you to remember that Jesus is able to meet your material and your eternal needs because he is Lord over all. Chapter 6 opens up, as we just read, Jesus, he is, he is going to the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee, and he goes up on the mountain, and he's going to get some rest and some intentional time with his disciples. And he goes up, and he sits down, and just as he's about to start teaching, he looks out, and this huge crowd is coming his way. They, they followed him. They've been peeking in. They've been checking, staying far enough behind, and now he's settled in. Here they all come. They're coming up on him. And John makes it clear the reason they're following him is because they well, they have seen what he's able to do. I'm sure you've thought about this question before, but if you haven't, let me ask it. Think about it. Why is it you follow Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? You see, it's, it's clear here that they followed Jesus because they knew he could heal people, and they thought there may be something in it for us. If we, if we go to the state fair and you see some street performers walk by and you know they're going to go perform, for us it's the red trouser show we're always looking for. You're going to follow them. You're going to see, like, I want them to be, I want to be entertained. They're there for me. Well, more than gimmicks, more than tricks, they knew that Jesus, he's able to heal people. And they wanted to see what might come out of it for them. Why do you follow Jesus? They didn't follow Jesus so that they could worship him. They didn't follow Jesus so that they could obey him. They followed Jesus because they wanted something from him. Guys, let us this morning, let us decide to follow Jesus only because of who Jesus is. When it comes to following Jesus, I want you to know there's, there's no negotiation there's no working out a deal to see what you can get out of it in following Jesus. Jesus makes it very clear there. There's only one reason to follow Jesus, and you follow Jesus because you want Jesus. And if Jesus is not who you want, you're following Jesus for another reason, then you are not going to get Jesus. You'll get the absence of Jesus. And guys, let me plead with you this morning. Don't settle for anything less than Jesus. Don't follow and seek after Jesus to receive anything other than Jesus. You don't want to end up without Jesus. Receive him on his own terms and you will finally, infinitely, joyously be satisfied. Verse four is interesting. Let's look at verse four. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Now, why would John give us this little, this little glimpse of what time of year it is? Well, 
he's given us this glimpse, this little detail here, because John wants us to begin to see the aim of the crowd's enthusiasm. See, with it being Passover, the Jews, their, their mind is on something. Their mind is on remembering how before the Lord had brought them up out of slavery, out of Egypt. He delivered them. And as a matter of fact, they're waiting for another deliverer. They're waiting for another prophet who's going to come, who's going to initiate the second exodus, someone who's going to come and deliver them from those who rule over them. Even, even the scriptures that time of year that would have been read were likely passages about the exodus. And no doubt this was on their mind as they see Jesus is doing signs that only could be from God. And we see that Jesus is going up on a desolate place in a hill. And then we're going to find out that Jesus is going to feed them bread. That seems like it must be coming from heaven because we don't know where it's coming from. Nationalistic feelings were very high. Think of 4th of July for us. And they're getting fired up because they see, could this be? Because the truth is they wanted Jesus to take them to the promised land. But they were misunderstanding about the promised land. Because they wanted it now. But you see, they didn't realize their cost of admission had yet to be paid. The people wanted to deliver. But they wanted this deliverer to come and deliver them from their temporal needs. They didn't realize their biggest needs are much deeper than what they know. How about for us? Are you most concerned with your temporal needs? Do you think your deepest need is something that's material that's going to finally satisfy you? Guys, I, I don't want you this morning to be fooled into believing that your, your greatest need is more bread. No. Jesus, his aim is not to just give you bread. Jesus wants to save you from hell for all of eternity. Having your bread but not knowing Jesus Having your health, but not having Jesus. Having your retirement fund fully funded, but not having Jesus. Those are the biggest whiffs of all time. Jesus is not a man who can help you get what you think you really need. But Jesus is the one, true, only God who can save you from hell. That's our deepest need. Verses five and six. Lifting up his eyes then. And seeing that a large crowd was, was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people can eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Now, I, I know I'm not the only one in here, but I think of something when I read this. I think of the times my, my kids call for me and I just don't answer, thinking that maybe they'll stop calling or they'll stop call, start calling my wife's name instead. You know, I'm, not the, I'm sure I'm not the only one in here. This, this isn't Jesus. <laughs> this isn't Jesus. He's, he is up on the hill in his vacation, and the people are coming, interrupting him. And when he sees people coming, he knows their need. And Jesus is prepared to meet them. He's prepared. And I want you to know that whatever it is you're going through right now, I want you to know that even though you may feel that the plan is for you to come up with. You feel that the pressure is for you to figure it out. I want you to hear Jesus' words here. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus is never without a plan to meet your needs. He is never too tied up to meet your needs. Jesus is not selfish as I am 
and will ignore you. He is prepared and ready to meet your needs. And that's what I want you to see in these first six verses, that Jesus knows our needs. I want you to be comforted with this truth. And I tell you guys, there's no more comforting of a thought that I can give you, no more comforting of a truth that I can give you than to know that Jesus meets your needs. A, a pantry full of food I might can help with, a Mega Millions lotto ticket, there's nothing I can do for you on that, but neither one is gonna bring you the comfort and the certainty that these four words can bring you. Jesus knows your needs. When he sees you coming, he doesn't hide. He looks at you. He prepares to give you what you truly need, though it may not be what you necessarily want. He knows what you need, and he's prepared to give it to you, and he's able to meet your material, your eternal needs, because Jesus is Lord over all. Verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So not only does Jesus know our needs, I also want you to know this morning that he also knows our insufficiency. Jesus knows our insufficiency. And I, I gotta tell you, I have a little bit of Philip in me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. The rest of you must have a little bit of Philip in you too. Some of us have it more than others, but whenever we know that Jesus is calling us to do something, we're quick to run the calculations so that we can let Jesus know that I can't be done. <laughs> I, I, don't, I know you're calling, but I run the calculations. I just, I don't have it. It's not enough. It can't happen. I, maybe some of you call it being a realist, but I wonder if your reality has Jesus in the equation. It doesn't seem that it does. The Jesus who turned water into wine is the Jesus in your equation who um, killed the official son, the one who made the lame man walk, how might the Lord be calling you? But you've run the calculations and you've informed God that you just don't have what it takes. Are you removing Jesus from the equation when your insufficiency doesn't match up to his call? Whether it be money, skill, whether it be faith, guys, let us not be quick to run the calculations and tell Jesus what cannot be done whenever Jesus is asking us to trust him and Jesus is asking us to obey him. That's what he wants. He doesn't need us to run the calculations. He wants us to trust him and obey him. Verses eight and nine. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? I think we have a lot we can learn from in this little boy. First of all, I love that the scripture is just not full of grown-ups teaching grown-ups. But what we have here is we have, we have John says, hey guys, I, I, Grace Community Church, I want you to come here. There's somebody that Jesus wants you to meet. The Lord wants you to meet this, this person of great faith. And we come up and we, we have to look down because it's a little child who's sitting there. And I was, uh, I, was, I was confused, honestly. I, I spent some time on this. Like, why would Andrew even bring the little boy to Jesus if Andrew's attitude is, well, but what are they for so many? The boy must have seen the need. And that he believed that Jesus is Lord of the eternal. Therefore, he can work with the material. And he wanted to offer Jesus what little he had. 
all that he had. Good news is Jesus doesn't wait until you have much to begin using what you already have for his kingdom. He doesn't. Boy, this is great news. Do you want God to use what you have, but you feel like you just don't have enough to give? I believe that's probably many of you in here. Don't be discouraged because I want you to know that the requirement, the requirement for God to use what you have isn't the quantity. The requirement for God to use what you have isn't the quality, but the requirement for God to use what you have is just a complete surrender of all you have. His. It's not up to you to run the calculations to tell God what can and can't be done. How many times have we seen a need and yet we run the calculations and we restrict ourselves from experiencing the miracle of God because we don't think He can use what it is we have? We have this little boy who has what would amount to a couple of sardines and a few pancakes and he offers it to the Lord. How is God wanting you to use what you have, whether it be your time, talent, or treasure? In John 6, Jesus is wanting us to know that the little that you and I have, that is plenty for him to work a miracle. It's plenty for what he's wanting to do. Let us not hold back what little we have from God. When God wants us to trust him and obey him, to give him what little we have so that he can bless thousands. That may be what he's wanting to do with you. Verses 10 through 13. Jesus said, he said, have the people sit down. There was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing Maybe you lost. So they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Guys, Jesus knows our needs. He knows our insufficiency. And I want you to know that Jesus' supply is abundant. Jesus has the people sit down. And John is sure to tell us that, that they were sitting down in green grass. And why is this? Because John, he's reiterating to us, remember what's happening here. It's near the time of the Passover. Grass is only green in this area near the Passover in the spring. If it were summer, it'd already be scorched. And other gospels tell us, as Pastor Brad mentioned earlier, this 5,000 number is just, that's just men. Many believe there were somewhere around 20,000 people there counting women and children who are going to be fed from this boy's small lunch. And catch verse 11. Jesus gives thanks. Wow, I think we can have a lot to learn from here. Jesus receives two fish, five barley loaves to feed maybe 20,000 people. His attitude's very different than the ones we've already read. Jesus he gives thanks to the Lord. Whether you have a little, whether you have a lot, whether your need is great or whether your need is small, Jesus is showing us here that the provision comes from God. It doesn't come from the supply you're starting with. The provision comes from God. Therefore, why can't God take our little? Whatever it is that you have, that you've run your calculations and you don't think it's enough, why can't God take it? and use it? Why don't you trust him and obey him and give him the opportunity to turn your little into more? 
I also love in verse 11, because we have a big family. I think John, maybe he came from a big family. Because whenever you read verse 11, John's quick to point out they eat all the fish they want. And there's a difference between, uh, there's a difference between having all you want and having enough. You can, you can have enough and not have, have all you want. Have you ever heard, hey, somebody, other people's got to eat here. You know, slow down, back it off. Other people's got to eat here. John, he wants us to know, man, two little fish. They had all the fish they wanted. They ate their fill. John's saying, I want you to see here. Man, Jesus' supply, it's abundant. Even, even in how Jesus, he's, he's intentional not to waste the resources. He has disciples gathered up. And then you have the disciples who each have a, have a basket now that they get to save of bread. I'm sure that little boy was happy to see how the Lord had taken his little offering and he had used it to bless thousands. I believe that he knew that Jesus was the eternal God who could do whatever he would like in this material world. While, while the disciples shrugged off what he had to offer, maybe as you feel, some may shrug off what you have to offer. Jesus sure didn't. He took it and he worked miracles. Remember, it was near the time of Passover. Okay, we can't forget these nationalistic feelings that are happening. And the crowd had to be reminded of being in a desolate place of, well, receiving bread that seems as it must be coming from heaven. Jesus is making a statement here. Hey, he's greater than Moses. Yeah, you received manna. You received bread that, 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 that came from God, but you only took what you need, what you needed. But Jesus, Jesus is saying, my supply is abundant. I give you what you need and more. That's just how good he is. Because his supply is abundant. There is no limit to what Jesus can do. Because he is Lord over the material and the eternal. He is Lord over all. Verses 14 and 15. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Verse 15, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So the crowd, we see, they've received their blessing, their material blessing. They got their bread. And naturally, what is it they want? They want more. They want seconds. They, they want more. Because no matter what, guys, you're always going to want more bread. The, 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 the material of this world, the things of this world cannot do what only the eternal can do. Material breaks down. Things break down. It's just not going to last. They can't meet eternal needs. That's just the Lord's design. So the problem is, though, if you worship the material and you worship things, you worship people, they're not going to last. And you're going to end up left wanting. But if you worship the eternal, you'll find that you're no longer left wanting, but you finally have your fill, and it is everlasting. You see, the crowd here, they want to set the terms to control. They want to control what they get out of following Jesus. See, they want to follow Jesus, and they want him to do what it is they're wanting to do, but it becomes clear here that Jesus, he sets his own terms. Guys, Jesus Jesus cannot be made into who we want to make him. We cannot make Jesus do what it is we want him to do. Jesus works on his own terms, but they wanted him to be 
who they wanted him to be, not receive him for who he was. They wanted him to do what they wanted him to do. So what did Jesus do? He withdrew. He withdrew. Guys, let this never be said about us or about Grace Community Church. That Jesus isn't who we want him to be. He's not doing what we want him to do. Let Jesus never withdraw. The crowd was setting their hopes on a, a kingdom that was of this world, but Jesus, his kingdom's in heaven. You see, uh, a normal person with 5,000 men on the side of a mountain would have received those men. It would have used those men to conquer the enemy. They would have ruled the world. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus, he receives on the mountain a boy's small fish and loaves, and he uses it to feed those who were to become his enemy. And then Jesus, he would go and he would die for the world. This is a completely backwards kingdom than what people of the world want. You might say, what is this kingdom? Well, this kingdom is made up of people who know they're needy. This kingdom is made up of people who know they're insufficient. This kingdom is made up of people who receive Jesus on his own terms because their hope is in the eternal over the material. Their hope is in a heavenly kingdom, not in a worldly, earthly kingdom. But you may be thinking, all right, okay, Ricky, I, I get it. You know, I see what you're saying. Like, oh, Jesus is, is Lord over the material. He is, he is Lord over the eternal. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, Jesus was there, though. I, I mean, he was, he, was in, he was there in the person. Like, you see him, you could touch him. I, what about when Jesus, he's just not near. How can we know he's near? He's not here. Jesus isn't passing out the bread to us this morning. How, how can we know this? I could see for them. He was there. But how can we know? I believe the Lord knew that we'd be asking this question. The same way the disciples must have been asking this question. And the Lord gives to us verses 18 through 21 to help us understand. 16 through 21. Let's read verses 16 through 18. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. Now, I'm willing to bet many of you in here probably can relate a lot more to these three verses, the disciples in these three verses, than you can the young boy back in verse 9. I'm willing to bet that. You're, the imagery is intentional here. John wants us to feel it. Three to four miles out. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. The, the, the waves are big. The wind is strong. And Jesus wants us to feel the situation here. And for us to know, Jesus, you see, he didn't even, it's, it's not that he just allowed this. Jesus sent them into this. We need to feel this because many of you in here right now, you may feel as the disciples. You're far out, you're distant, you're exhausted, you're alone, you're stalled out, and yet Jesus is high above. I want you to hear verse 19. Well, when they had rowed about three or four miles, out about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. And coming near the boat. And they were frightened. Can you imagine? 
Many of you have been on a cruise. Let's say it's 3 a.m. in the morning, you just can't sleep. And you're going to walk out, and you walk out, and you, as far as you can see, there's water. You're hanging on. The waves are big. The wind is blowing. And then out in the distance, you see a man walking across the water. Terrifying. Hear these words in verse 20. But he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Listen, Jesus' will for your life, it might be downright terrifying. You may wonder if he is near. And you may be asking, how can we know? How can we know that Jesus is going to come through whenever we feel like we are all alone and stalled out? How do we know Jesus is near? Jesus will come through at the right time. Jesus, in his sending them out, it was intentional. The timing for him coming to them was intentional. The timing of him identifying himself was intentional. His revealing his presence to them, intentional. I want you to know that God works in his own time. Some of you are questioning God's call and will for your life because the timing just doesn't seem to add up. Either you missed it, it's too soon, you just, you feel like you kind of stalled out and you're out and you're alone and you feel as if, well, Jesus has asked you to fill a multitude and you're just slap out of money. How do you know he is near? I want you to hear these words again in verse 20. When Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. They're stuck in the wind. They're frightened. They're stalled out. I believe it was no accident, but that Jesus, not only could he see them, it was his will for them, and they were never out of his view. They were never out of his sight. The readers of of this gospel, they would have have known that the, the sea is a terrifying thing, It represented all that was chaotic and uncontrollable. And Jesus is wanting to show us here, that may be how you feel. You're surrounded by all that is chaotic and controllable. And you feel helpless and you're asking, how can this be the will of God? And Jesus wants us to see him in plain view and see that it is all under his feet. Verse 21. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. I don't want us to miss the miracle here in verse 21 either. When they they pulled Jesus into the boat, the boat was immediately to the land in which they were going. When Jesus calls you and you pull him into the boat, the power of Jesus that, that tames the chaotic and the uncontrollable, he uses that for you. Jesus will work miracles through you. So maybe this is you. This morning again, you feel stalled. You feel, you feel exhausted. I want you to know that Jesus is able to carry you wherever it is he wants you to go. See, Jesus doesn't need us. He doesn't need to catch a ride with us to do what he wants to do. No, we catch a ride with Jesus. He is able to do with us and to carry us wherever he wants us to go. In closing, there's John Stott, a pastor who I've learned very much from in reading. And he tells of William Booth, 
the founder of the Salvation Army. And this is what John Stott says. He says, the key beyond our believing is God's ability and will to use us. It lies in the wholeheartedness of our surrender to him. William Booth's secret is an open one, he said. When asked to explain the phenomenal impact of his life, this is what William Booth said. He said, for the last 80 years, God has had all there is of William Booth. And Stott says, through him, Christ fed a multitude. You might hear this morning that Jesus is Lord over all of the material and of the eternal. And you may say, yes, and I agree with that. But I ask you, do you believe that? Do you truly believe that this morning? If so, then will you trust him? If so, then will you obey him? Have you surrendered to him all you have and all you are? And if you haven't, will you do so today? It's my prayer you will. Don't settle for anything less than Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for saving us. Lord, we thank you for carrying us. Lord, we thank you for doing in us and through us all we are not able to do. Father, if there's anyone here today who has not surrendered to you, whether it be for salvation or whether it be your will and call in their life, whether it be something small or something great, all is important to you. So Father, I pray that we'll be a people who trust and obey, knowing that you are the Lord over all, that you can meet our eternal and our material needs. That's in the name of Jesus we pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.